Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. How are you coping with the idea of, in total, 90 days in lockdown? Regardless of how many you've already crossed off, it feels like a long time, doesn't it? It's lovely to have some quality family time, but that's often more than balanced out by children and parents with cabin fever. Tensions can run high and you wonder how you'll ever make it to the end. Dr. Sarah Hughes is a mum and a clinical psychologist at Think and author of Parenting Made Simple. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good morning. I'm well, thank you. So how are you coping with lockdown? Because you have a toddler, don't you? Oh, I'm like when you were just saying, oh, it's 90 days. I was like, how many are we already through? Um, Yeah, it's interesting. I'm fortunate in that I am able to still um, work from my office a few days a week and I sort of just have to. That's a very active toddler so trying to do online sessions with him in the background just isn't <laughs> it's just really conducive to great therapeutic work but we're, we're doing okay I think like everyone it's a it's a struggle and it's hard trying to balance being a parent and a daycare educator it feels at the moment and and trying to keep him stimulated as well but I think everyone's in the same position at the minute. So that is um, one of the biggest challenges I'm finding at the moment and I'm sure parents of children of all ages, that idea of keeping them engaged or stimulated, um, those children who are verbal are probably saying, mum, I'm bored a lot at the moment. I know you're a psychologist and you yourself are not an educator, but um, do you have have any tips on how parents can deal with that constant pressure to keep their child engaged? Oh, so hard. I think there's a couple of things with that. One is try to reduce the pressure a little bit by sort of taking the expectation away all completely. So it's just not possible to sort of have everyone stimulated and happy right now. I think just sort of we all have to practice that radical acceptance of there's going to be chunks of the day where people are grumpy, people are upset and people are bored. And that's just what it is right now. And that's okay. And so we can do our absolute best to try to keep kids busy. And I think one of the biggest shifts with that is maybe as adults when we go to the office or just in normal times, we work in longer blocks of time. We're sort of quite used to going and being able to dedicate, you know, two or even three hours of time to a particular activity. Whereas right now we're sort of all cooped up, I think, really having to adjust to working in very small blocks, whether that's actual, you know, productive sort of work work or sort of parenting work or activities or whatever that might be. I think trying to work, if you've got really little kids, trying to sort of break your days into 30 to 45 minute chunks. If your kids are a bit older, you might be able to stretch that to an hour, an hour and a half. But trying to sort of have um, a shift in activity at a certain time point through the day, that can kind of help kids to stay engaged. And if there's things that sort of you know that your kids enjoy doing, if they're just doing the one activity over and over and over again, it will start to sort of become boring. And so trying to make sure that sit down and try to make a list of like 10 or 15 activities and then try to each day pick up a different mixture of those activities to sort of utilise in those blocks of time just to try to keep things a little bit interesting. So change is as good as a holiday and we have to try to make do where we can at the minute. And what, what are your feelings on those parents who might have a child at kindergarten, for example, who have that pressure now of school supervision as well as potentially working from home or, and juggling everything else? 
I know, it's so hard. And I just think it's an impossible like task at the minute. You, you actually, it's humanly impossible to be a full-time parent and a full-time sort of housekeeper and a full-time teacher or daycare educator. or It's just actually not possible. And I think one of the biggest things that we need to do is just let go of any expectations that we actually can do it all because we can't, not due to you know any failing on our part, but just the task is just insurmountable and too big. And I think right now, and I don't minimise what we're going through, and I don't minimise um, the stress all this is having and, and the stress in terms of education, but... Right now, this three-month period feels huge, but 12 months from now, it's not going to make a difference if your child didn't do this spelling every day. And it's not going to matter if you didn't get the requisite 60 minutes of that done or none of those things will matter. It will all work out the wash. Absolutely everyone is in the same boat. So all parents are having the exact same struggles because it's just not possible to, to work from home and parent and educate all at the same time. And so I think definitely trying to cut ourselves a little bit of slack with that and know that it's not going to cause any sort of irreparable damage to your child or their education or their intelligence or the development. None of that will suffer. It's just a three-month period. Speaking of that three months, I my children are a bit older now, but when you mentioned that, it just clicked in my head that if someone had a new baby at the start of this three months, that, from my memory, was the hardest period of my yeah. baby's life. Um, yep. And my lifeline at that point was my mother's group. And it was yep. sitting in a circle, laughing, crying, swapping stories, that kind of thing. And I really felt held by that group. Do you have any tips for mums who are perhaps in that really early stage of motherhood and in lockdown? I, so I can't, I was thinking about this the other day. I had a horrific time when my son was first born. He was preemie and in hospital for a while and it was just a shocker. He was very unwell when he came out and I was just, my heart goes out to all the women out there who were currently in the sort of very, very early newborn stages. I think there's quite a lot of new social media type stuff that's sort of around. I think one's called Stay Home Mums and um, is a really new account and there's a lot of accounts like that that are out there trying to help new mums to stay connected with other new mums even despite all the social restrictions. So I would definitely encourage new mums to get on top of that. Um, in amongst all their free time, obviously. Um, <laughs> but also, also I think... Um, it's also, it's not just about what new mums can do. I think it's about what family and friends as new mums can do. And I think what held me together in a period where I was just falling apart was actually having other people step in. And while people can't do that maybe in the same way as what they traditionally could, it would still potentially be possible for someone to come and take Bub out for a walk in the pram. They don't have to pick Bub up. They can sort of still say distance from Bub. But if you have a mum who's really, really struggling having someone else take the baby out for a walk in the pram for a little while might give them an extra little bit of sleep. Dropping off care packages or food would be such a big help if you're able to bake anything and just leave it on the doorstop. You don't have to go in. But all those sorts of things would be massive helps for new mums right now as well. And so I think it is about what new mums can do. I also just think it's about what family and friends can still do in this crisis too. And community, right? Hold up those that don't have the same supports that you might have. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of new parents who, you know, maybe their parents don't live in the same city or even if their parents do live in the same city, they're of age that they can't actually leave the house right now. Or there's so many extra restrictions. But I mean, there's, 
there's so many opportunities as well. Like if you have a neighbour who you know has a new baby and you might know that person to wave to and say hello to, but you've never really sort of engaged in a friendship beyond that, you can still wait in the casserole and leave it on their doorstep and it would be so appreciated and they'd have so much gratitude for you to doing that. And you know what? Baking something extra will give you something to do <laughs> all the time also. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And make it something the kids can contribute to and there you have it. Yeah, Morning activity. Yeah. The other people I think of as well in this time are single parents. So I know that in my my situation with social isolation, I have my two children and my husband that I get that interaction with all the time. I'm not saying it's always a happy interaction. (laughs) We are human, but I still have an adult to talk to every night. And it strikes me that this period would also be very challenging for single parents who might be isolated at home with their child. I'm I'm wondering if you've got any tips for them in terms of how they can, um, I mean, is it again about the community stepping in or are there things that those single parents can do in this period to stay well? I know, and it is, it's really, it's, another one of those populations that it's so hard for at the moment. And I think that adult company probably is the biggest struggle. Um, and as much as we all might complain about our husbands or our kids all the time, <laughs> just being able to have someone to actually unleash it every now and then could be quite cathartic as well. Whereas if you're a single parent, you know, the buck stops with you. And, and I think that a lot of single parents right now are really sort of feeling the full weight of that responsibility. Um, and I think, yeah, absolutely, same thing. If, if you know someone who's a single parent, um, again, casserole, like anything that you can do, even if it's just, I don't know, drop them a few rolls of toilet paper. My house standards have dropped. But, you know, anything that you can do, even just the thought behind it, to show someone that they notice that, that you're thinking of them, I think is so emotionally supportive right now and I think what we all need as well. Um, but also trying to make sure that we're still connecting. So obviously, you know, FaceTime or using platforms like Zoom or House Party and things like that, it's not the same as, you know, being able to catch up with friends and sort of unwinding at the end of the week. Um, but it's what we have right now and we're fortunate that we do actually have that. So I think it's both about if you are a single parent, I'd really encourage you to be actively reaching out and sort of trying to set up FaceTime dates or things like that with friends. But equally, sometimes, you know, when you're a single parent or you're someone who struggles to ask for help, that can be really hard to do. And I think that's when it's really great for other people, whether that be neighbours, friends, family, to step in um, and sort of don't wait to be asked, just sort of step in and, and make a call and say, hey, I'd really love to be able to catch up with you. Tell me your time when you're free so that we can organise a FaceTime um, chat. But I, I think it's about everyone sort of doing their bit right now to support each other because sometimes it is really hard to ask for help or, or to ask for that extra, especially when you know that everyone else around you is going through a crisis as well. Mm. Um, now, I did diverge a bit there because um, this is the question that I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> So those were for people I know who are single parents or new mums. But this one is particularly relevant to my household. How do you help children when they're cooped up with their sibling, who they probably fight with on a day-to-day basis anyway, (laughs) and then all of a sudden they're not separated by daycare and school, they're not separated by going off and doing different things, and they're together all the time? How does one yeah. manage that kind of sibling rivalry? <laughs> All the joys of children. Um, I, I think one of the things that's really important right now, and this applies to everyone in the family, but it definitely applies for kids and siblings as well. 
when we're not getting very much alone time or just time to sort of debrief or chill out by ourselves, you know, we kind of start to simmer and it kind of bubbles away. So I think one of the things that can be helpful to do is trying to make sure that when you're kind of trying to schedule your day a little bit and having activities for kids, try to make sure that some of those activities are things that the kids will do individually so they're not actually doing it together. And some might be things that they do together, but trying to have a real mix of that. And so it might be that between, you know, 10.30 and 11, you know, one child is in the TV room and another child is in the bedroom doing something else. And then they might swap over um, and then there might be parts of the day where they watch TV together um, so just trying to have a real mix of that I think it can also be a really good idea sometimes when we keep teaching kids emotion regulation um, there's often I use a lot of sort of like cool down zones so trying to pick an area of the house so that everyone has a designated zone so if you're lucky where each of your children has their own bedroom that could be their cool down zone um, if you don't have that it might be that someone's cool down zone is the laundry or it might be you know the back step or just anywhere where someone can actually just have a little bit of alone time it could even be the car at the minute as well if, if you have a car um, and the cool down zone it's not a punishment so it's not like a time out it's just a place where you can go to catch a breath and sort of just have a little bit of time for yourself kids can have anything in their cool down zone that they need so if like lego coloring in listening to sort of a, like an audiobook or a story um it's not like i said it's not a punitive zone it's just a zone where you can go to unwind and sort of relax and have a bit of a long time and so i think at the minute we all need cool down zones <laughs> not included um yes. and if you notice that tensions are starting to sort of everyone's getting on each other's nerves it might be that you have through the day you know one in the morning one in the afternoon where you sort of have everyone goes to their cool down zone for 20 minutes or 30 minutes um before coming back together and I think if we're trying to integrate that alone time it can really help with sibling conflict too um, and if it's still happening and you're really sick of it um, you can also try which I imagine everyone is you can also try bringing out rewards for kids being able to resolve their own conflict so you can kind of set a goal for kids and say okay Everyone's kind of a bit stressed at the minute, but I need you guys to be able to work things out between you. And when you're able to do that, you know, here are the rewards that are at play. So at the minute, they'll probably need to be decent-sized rewards <laughs> for them to actually work. <laughs> so you might need to pull out the big guns. Um, but it can also be effective in terms of if kids are motivated enough, and that's why the rewards have to be pretty decent ones. It can't just be, oh, you can have five minutes on your iPad because kids are probably getting a lot of iPad time right now, which is totally fine, by the way. But so if they are already getting that, that's not necessarily going to be a big reward. But if you can find something that's meaningful to your kids and it's motivating enough, they're going to be motivated to kind of work out their own conflict. And it just has to be the two of you have to sort it out yourselves. And if either of you come to me to solve this for you, if I need to step in, then the reward's off the table. So something like that can sometimes work quite well as well. Excellent. I'm going to keep that. I'm going to write it down. <laughs> I'm going to remember it. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for speaking such sense this morning. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. That was Dr. Sarah Hughes, clinical psychologist at Think and author of Parenting Made Simple. You'll find links to the book in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time. Hold up. 